All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, this is Pastor Doug Minton, and we are digging deeper into the book of Revelation. This week, taking a quick look at verses 7 and 8 of chapter 1. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So far, our text for this week. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. That was the promise made by the angels at the ascension, as John and the rest of the apostles were standing on the Mount of Olives and watched Jesus ascend into heaven. The angels said, Jesus will come back in the same way that you saw him go. So we have this beautiful picture of Jesus coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. As lightning flashes from the east to the west, St. Paul says, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. It will not be something that is prescient. It is not something that is private and only for certain people with the eyes of faith to see. It's not going to be a secret thing. It is a very public calling of all the saints to come forth from their graves to be united with their souls once again, and then to be joined by those who are still living on the last day. Everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. This is a very important point. John is the one apostle who was standing at the foot of the cross. Everybody else had abandoned Jesus, but John was there at the foot of the cross. They saw, he saw them put the nails into his hands. They, he saw them hoist him up onto the cross. He knows who pierced them. Who pierced Jesus? Well, the Romans did, of course. The Jewish leaders did, absolutely. John did. The Virgin Mary did. The rest of the people standing around the foot of the cross. And most importantly, you and I have pierced Jesus. By your sins, by my sins, is Jesus held by those nails to the cross. We have pierced him with all of our sins. We have pierced him, and so we also will see him. But we have a couple of places to look also with this. Going to John 19, starting in verse 33. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. What is that scripture? Zechariah 12, verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. Last week we looked at the difference between only child and and firstborn. Here again in Zechariah 12, we have that combination again. 
of the one who is pierced, being not only an only child, but also the firstborn, as all only children are. They will see the one whom they have pierced. And it is the piercing that proves the death. As we saw their blood and water coming out separated as he had already died. So now 1 John 5, John writes in verse 6, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. Jesus comes by these three witnesses, the water, the blood, and the Spirit. This not only talks about his piercing on the cross to prove that he was dead by the soldiers, but also the great gift of life that he gives to you and to me in baptism. Because it is there that the water is mixed with the shed blood of Jesus, cleansing and washing away all of your sins, leaving you with the Holy Spirit, who is the truth. This is how we know that we are his, is that he has claimed us to be his own. And who is it that has claimed us? We go into verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. There is nothing outside of God. And when we have Lord God here, this is, in Hebrew, Yahweh Elohim. This is when Moses writes in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. The Lord God, Yahweh, the divine name of God, plus Elohim, the word for God, combined together. He is the one who planted the garden in Eden. He is the one who has started everything. He is the one who will end everything, the Alpha and the Omega. And then we look at the last word there, Almighty. In the Greek, that is Pantokrator, the all-powerful, the all-judging. This is in deference to anything else, any other authority in all of the universe. Where we have in 2 Corinthians 6.18, I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. This is in deference to Satan as the cosmocrator, as said in many of the pseudepigraphical writings of the 3rd, 2nd, and 1st century B.C., and some of the early 1st century A.D., where he is the creator of the world. Yeah, not quite, because even in most of the writings that even deal with God and Satan being dualistic, dueling, evenly matched opponents, there is still that notion that no, Satan could have, couldn't have done all of it without having the Lord do the main portion of the work. But as we look to Cosmocrator, 
It's the world ruler, which we have in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, where Paul says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is Satan as Cosmocrator, the ruler of this world, the world that he has destroyed with the invention of sin. But also, when John is writing this, he's also got in mind that Caesar calls himself Autocrator, the ruler of himself, or the ruler in himself. This is the idea that has traveled down through many of the monarchies throughout history, is that the king is set up by divine right. Depending on which God you believe in, which God you worship, of course, that differs in what you have. But this continues to hold today, as even King Charles, soon to be crowned officially the King of England and King Charles III. He is that by divine right. Therefore, he is also, as he has been throughout his, pretty much his adult life, the head of the Church of England, the Anglican Communion. This is all him as the monarch, him as the male, highest male heir in the monarchy. Caesar was the same way. Caesar is the one who held all the cards, apparently, in the ancient world. And he vowed himself to be the greatest thing in all of the world. I mean, look at Roman history. Look at all of the Roman Caesars. They have that idea that they are, if not gods themselves, the next best thing to God. God calls us in Revelation to realize that there is no possibly with this. There is no maybe. I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And it is to the Almighty that we bow our knee in prayer, in praise and thanksgiving for all the blessings that he gives to us, not throwing us away as we deserve because of our sins, but bringing us together, letting his son be pierced for the forgiveness of your sins and my sins, the water and the blood washing them all away. As it has always been, as it is now, as it always will be, God working salvation for you through Christ. All right, that's it for this week. As I said, this is a short look at these couple of verses. Next week, we look at verses 9 through 11. Again, short parts here as we try to not get lost in the weeds, but try to look at them and see what we have here in this wonderful Word of God that helps us not only prepare for the end, but also prepares us for each day to wrestle with the theology around us. Amen.